0: Welcome to The Near Memo, a weekly conversation about search, social, and commerce. What happened, why it matters, and the implications for local. Okay, welcome to episode 42 of The Near Memo. David, Greg, and Mike are here as always, although I'm in Berlin, Germany, for a special COVID transatlantic edition, Um, and David and Mike are in the U.S., but uh, as always, we'll be talking about... Have you,
1: rubbed, have you rubbed any shoulders with David Hasselhoff over there?
0: Yes. Yes. We've been palling around, hitting the bars yeah, and good. clubs together. Yes. Um, For free
1: entry everywhere you go with, with uh, him as your companion.
0: That's right. Um, so we'll be talking about search, social and commerce. And there's a little bit of a special Apple Maps uh, AR metaverse discussion today. A little bit of a dedicated discussion. So I'm going to start off with um, with uh some something that i put on the uh, in the newsletter for today which we've yet to publish uh about some research that that i did at uberall uh survey that i drafted i'm i, I don't go into it in in, to- in a lot of detail there's just a couple of points that i pull out but it's a really interesting survey the findings are quite interesting um one of which is we we asked we asked 4000 people in four countries uk us uh germany and france same questions and we asked them among others, um, you know, w- which, bus- which types of businesses are you more inclined to trust? So do you trust, you know, uh, e-commerce businesses versus traditional stores that may have an e-commerce uh, dimension? And 67% of people uh, across the board said that they were, two thirds in other words, said that they were more inclined to trust businesses that had a physical location, you know? So that makes a lot of sense intuitively, it was just interesting to see that. Um, and we asked them lots of questions about their expectations of different categories of businesses and their e-commerce versus traditional shopping habits. Um, and, of course, the data point that I always like to pull out, people say, two-thirds of people say that they're more inclined to buy something online if there's a store there for them to take it back, which ties into one of the other pieces that I um, am writing about, which is the sort of separation of Saks and Macy's e-commerce and traditional store operations. But that's uh, that's for, for later. So, um, I wonder what a I'll mixed make...
2: model like Amazon and Kohl's would uh, surface as a trust factors. Like, I had to Well, return Amazon to Kohl's the other day, and it was like super easy. I didn't have to pack yeah. it, didn't have to put it in a box. I dropped it off, they packaged it and did everything. It was really cool. Right.
0: right. Same with Whole Foods. So, they do that with Whole Foods as well. Amazon is an outlier because Amazon's brand is so strong. I mean, I think a, a week ago or so, there was a report on the the loyalty of Amazon shoppers and it's really unlike anything else um, you know so we didn't call out particular brands we just asked them online versus offline but Amazon is really not an exemplar of all e-commerce businesses because its brand strength is so powerful and, and it's, almost it's really, everyone
1: has experience sending something back to Amazon and it's pretty easy so I don't yeah, it's really, not the, not really as, the hard not part for of Amazon hurdle. is yeah. con-
2: convincing me to go into Kohl's right? <laughs> right I mean just because it used to be so easy to return but I live in a area. They don't have great right. great uh infrastructure around here and Kohl's is the, obviously they've incentivized me to go to Kohl's, which I found interesting. Mm-hmm.
0: It's cheapest way. Yeah. So the so the real thing I want to say, that was just sort of preamble stuff. I mean if anybody wants to request the the, the report that we did from the survey without going through the lead form, uh just send me uh send me an email. Uh you I, I forget what my I near, think it's gsterling@nearmedia.co G-Sterling, near, yeah nearmedia.co.co co. so you can send me an email and I'll send you that give you the give you the, uh, give you the research um, but the thing that I wanted to bring up today is is the is the finding about local search sort of the the percentage of local search so google over time has said 20% of search volume is local 30% is local Marissa Mayer said 40% at one point um, there was a a, a, a internal google Uh, conference that was private and and somebody tweeted 46% of of, Google reported 46% of search has a local intent and Barry Schwartz picked that up in one of his blog posts, but that was never confirmed. And what their official position is, uh, is nearly a third of mobile search has a local intent. So they're not even talking about the desktop. So I'm just frustrated by all these numbers and sort of the waffling and inconsistency. So we we and surveys are imperfect, obviously, because it's not behavior. But we asked people. Um, we the verbatim question was something like, "Now I don't have it in front of me, unfortunately." <laughs> it was it was like, "What what percentage of your uh, search activity, and we named Google, uh, is 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 you know concerned with businesses, activities, um, events in your area?" So in other words, we were trying to give give the you know commercial and non commercial interest stuff and we bucketed the responses you know 10 to 20 20 to 30 30 to 40 40 to 50 up to 100% in 10, in sort of 10 point increments and so people could select one of those and what we what we got across the all four countries was a pretty consistent response which was also very interesting there were subtle variations but not meaningful and so 69% of people across four countries 4000 responses said that at least half of their searches were focused on their local area. And, and there were quite a few people that were in the upper end in, in of that range. You know, We had 20% of people saying at least 80% of their search volume was local. So what that tells me, it's not a search volume number, but what that tells me is that really, uh, you know, people are, most people are doing at least half of their queries are focused on stores, Things to do, places to go, directions, whatever it is, which is mu- which is a much bigger number. I mean, it's sort of close to the forty six percent number that Barry Barry uh, wrote about, but it's a much bigger number than Google has acknowledged in the past. And I, just, I think I just, Google I just has a self
2: interest in not acknowledging how much it's well,
0: local. Well, what do you, why, why do you say that, Mike? Well, I
2: think that they're they're about antitrust and competitive situation. They have a huge advantage in local, and I think them obfuscating how much volume they get out of local, and and their push into products in local, the investment they have in local. I think they have a huge advantage there, and I think as much as they can obfuscate that, they will.
0: Yeah, so a little bit of a conspiracy. Not conspiracy.
2: I think it's in their business interest to not be fully transparent about the huge amount of local search that's going on. And and
0: there's virtually I mean, I nothing think, else. Yeah,
1: go ahead. I was going to say I think that's probably true, given the uh, the speed with which they tried to shut down the the leak of that fifty percent number or forty six percent number several years ago. Yeah. Um, I mean, to me, that's something that you shouldn't really care about. Gets out. It's just you know, it's not like
0: well, if any, it's if if it's if not anything, giving competitive I mean,
1: advantages to, uh, advantage to any particular SEO trying to game the system, right? But I think it does give. Well, some, some intelligence to Google's real competitor, Amazon, uh, in, you know, where their, where their weaknesses lie. So,
0: but doesn't it also bring more people into Google, my business now, Google business profile and encourage people to advertise, do local ads and so on and so forth. I mean, if they're, if, if businesses, especially small businesses, see the kind of volume, Doesn't that encourage people to buy? I don't I
1: mean, I don't think that's I don't think that's necessarily true as Mike's, uh, you know, case study found, um, you know, 90 percent of leads are are coming from Google. Even when you show the data to businesses, they don't believe it. They still think Facebook is where the party is. So I think um, with enterprises now, that might be true. You might be able to get more budget for. You know, local inventory ads and those sorts of things, but usually that's a technical hurdle, not necessarily a an appetite or a, a priority hur- hurdle. So,
0: all right, all right. So it's time to move on. And with that um, reference to Facebook, um, you, I think, uh, David, you were going second. Is that correct? Or um, you,
1: I think Mike was going to go I, I second.
0: All right, yeah. right. Okay. Well, then I'll I'll switch. I'll do a different segue. There wasn't really so, a good
1: segue. <laughs> no,
2: well, there, I was there try is and... a good segue, and the oh, segue no, but is. Let... That while Google is dominant in local, there is another, there is another cowboy in town that is largely under the radar and they are flexing their wings. And this is, is that a mixed metaphor? It probably is. Uh, But regardless, wing wing flexing. (laughs) (laughs) Regardless, I've been spending a lot of time since the release of Apple iOS 15 uh, last in September. I've been spending a lot of time looking at it, uh, doing a a presentation for local you and a report I'm doing for New Media next week, looking at Apple's move into the discovery aspect of local. In iOS 15, they had a number of new features in maps, including new place cards, enhanced place cards, enhanced guides, new filtering options on category searches, and a new explore layer in the maps, which is explicitly about discovery. And when I went to look at analytics, and the only, Apple is largely dark, in analytics. But I looked at a number of businesses, and what I found was, on average, 5% of their website traffic was coming from dark Apple traffic, which meant that it was likely coming from an Apple reference point of some sort, maybe Maps, maybe the other local search features they have. And in some categories, like hotels, restaurants, and spas, it was as high as 20%. And if you assume that some of that 20% is coming from Maps, then you also have to assume There's even more activity occurring directly on maps where they're just calling so that Apple is now sending a fair bit of traffic more that that I saw more traffic from Apple than I saw from Yelp or Facebook on these on every site, regardless of the type of site. And Apple has started to, after many years of fixing the map. So it was decent at navigation and now has become pretty good at business recovery. They're starting to move into the discovery mode with enhanced User interface and features, and I think it's interesting, and I think that it portends a a you know a long term direction for Apple because they don't never do anything like Google where they throw it at the wall and then they scrape it off six weeks later. Apple builds it one brick at a time, and so I see this brick building in Maps as indicator of a strong commitment to discovery and using Maps for discovery in going forward.
1: Yeah, and it, it's a real acceleration over the last year of these of the bricklaying, right? I mean, we've seen the the I don't know if you'd call it a radical overhaul or whatever of Apple Maps Connect, uh, the reviews announcement not too many weeks ago, and then these new iOS features. It seems like Apple really is serious about local at this point. And and to your point, Mike, it's you know sort of a a hidden underneath the surface kind of iceberg situation. Even with the, the if, if it's 5% traffic, right? I mean, think about how much traffic you get directly from GMB um, versus the number of leads that GMB is responsible for. You theoretically should apply that same math to that dark traffic from Apple. Right. So,
2: And I've heard from two independent a number of independent sources over the last month that Apple will be releasing local insights, at least through their larger partners in the near future, early 2022. Uh, and I heard this from totally unrelated conversations. So I tend to believe it. I mean, it wasn't the nature of the conversation, but I think Apple is going to start providing metrics around this, at least to some of their bigger partners, which I think will accelerate the understanding that it's having a role to play, perhaps larger than Yelp, larger than Facebook, and second only to Google in terms of discovery. Um, and I think it plays into their bigger dream of the future, which would segue over to you, David.
1: I'm glad I didn't have to take credit for your idea, Mike, which I never would have done. but uh, so Mike, Mike's article forthcoming, I was lucky enough to get a preview of the of the draft. and um, I think Mike, you make the really interesting point that apple is is positioning itself or staking a good chunk of its sort of, you know, company bet on the future on AR augmented reality as opposed to what we've all what we all talked about with Facebook as far as VR virtual reality. so, Apple is betting on the on making a better reality as opposed to an alternate reality that is digital, um, which Facebook is seems to be doing. Uh, and that tied in with a, an article from John Hankey uh, earlier this week or maybe it was last week, um, the former Niantic Labs uh, or I guess current Niantic Labs CEO, uh, you former know, former, Google,
0: Google Maps,
1: former Google Maps. So the, basically the inventor of Pokemon Go. Um, if there is a single person who invented Pokemon Go. And so that strikes me as a real interesting, sort of very different worldview of the future of what, uh, of what, how digital either shapes or replaces <laughs> reality in the future. Um, and I think it's a really interesting position for, for Apple to stake. I also want to throw in one more thing before I hand it back over to you, Mike, to explain more about that. Kind of ties in a little bit with. Uh, Google's recent labs reorganization that they announced where uh, I don't know how to pronounce his name, unfortunately, Clay Beauvoir, uh who ran a lot of important projects at Google, some of Google's best products um, and has been responsible for their, Greg, you and I were blown away by the demo of yeah. this, uh, this sort of very realistic three-dimensional video, video chat, video conferencing yeah. system. Um, so yeah, he's really now in amazing. charge of this new AR VR Division of Google. So, good, not like Google's ignoring this, but I think that they're, they're sort of maybe still hedging their bets on, on which one of these futures uh, might win out. So, it's a good
2: good thing his first name isn't
0: Herb.
1: Herb Avore. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you know, dad joke right, right there.
1: Dad joke right <laughs> there.
0: <laughs> let, let, me, let, me, um, let me just. Opine here for a moment, and Mike, you can you can jump back in. I mean, I don't I don't think this is these are mutually exclusive. Obviously, the the interesting thing will be to see which where the traction is because there are going to be metaverse environments. You know, gaming is already in you know already there with VR, um, but we will see certain. I believe there will be certain limited use cases where VR will be appropriate and adopted. But the, but Facebook's notion of the metaverse, which is just this all-encompassing successor to the ter- current internet, I, I think that's never gonna. I think that's never gonna materialize. And 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 then the, another interesting point that was made in one of the articles um, was that now Facebook and Apple are direct competitors in terms of hardware, their visions for the you know mixed reality, and so on and so forth. And that'll be very interesting to see play out because Facebook has far less trust than. Apple in terms of its And far
2: less real world developments. I mean, I don't know if you know this, but I mentioned in my article that by squeezing my wrist and clicking my fingers, I can drive my watch to do things, right? But those actions can literally cause my watch to execute programs or clicks. And that's a critical element of this augmented world that we're talking about is some sort of wearable that can interact with it. Also in their new FaceTime and in all their music, Their earbuds are now spatially aware so that you can, when you're in a conversation, you hear the direction the conversation is coming from, even if it's on the screen. And they have a number of, they have the only uh, phone platform that has uh, AR capabilities top to bottom across the whole platform with enough power to drive it. And they also drive their own chip ecosystem. So the heavy power demands of this technology, Apple is in the best position to, moderate that through system design and software design. So unlike Facebook, who's trying to build a product or several products, Apple has an ecosystem of hardware and software into which AR is already there and being developed. And I just don't, I see it as as one of, as above Avalon noted, Apple's game to lose, but I also see AR as a technology and not what Apple's gonna focus on when you look at how these companies think about this stuff, you know, you look at augmented reality, for example, and and I think Amazon thinks about it as augmented commerce and Google thinks about it as augmented search and Facebook thinks about it as augmented Zuckerberg or augmented Facebook, whatever. But Apple thinks about it as, and as hubristic as this may seem, as their ability to augment humanity using this technology. So from Apple's point of view, they are likely to come out with, tools or series of tools that use this, but don't focus on this as the primary benefit. And I could see this as being value in medical care. I could see this being value in exercise and personal health, as well as driving and all that sort of stuff and mapping, particularly useful in mapping an individual level uh, as well. So I see this technology is spread across their whole platform and useful across their whole platform to people in a not, not obvious way, right?
0: We'll see. We, we, we won't talk about all the, the black mirror like privacy implications of all of yes. this. Yes.
2: Well, just because they think their vision is less uh, dystopian doesn't mean it will be less dystopian. Yeah. It could be equally dystopian.
0: Uh, I, I, there's no question that that augmented reality has some very interesting use cases and will be valuable in, in a lot of situations. We just need to be thoughtful and careful. I mean, I'm, I'm struck by how alarmed some people are about the Facebook vision for the metaverse. I mean, you know they're extrapolating from facebook 's kind of current bad behavior into some addictive future all encompassing future, and people are saying semi hysterical things like you know it has to be stopped that kind of thing you know which is just which is kind of kind of interesting um, i mean we'll'll we'll, i don't know whether we're talking about a ten year time frame a twenty year time frame some some version of the metaverse will come to pass and whether it will be Truly dystopian or only somewhat dystopian is another. It's another question for another time, I suspect. But um, I'm yeah, I'm excited to read your articles, Mike. I haven't had a chance, and I'll be doing that after we after we conclude today. And uh, looking forward to publishing them um, probably early next week, I suspect, since today is Friday. Be for good. Us.
1: Be good. Thanksgiving reading with your scotch around the fire. So
0: where yes, were, you're going to be in Portugal for Thanksgiving. No, 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 no! I'll be back in California with my family. Oh, I'm I'm goodness. only going to be in Portugal for for a couple of days uh, in search of my ancestors. Uh, so I'm well, going on luck, a personal good, personal good journey there.
2: I did yeah. uh, remember what 42 is, which is this current episode, "The Meaning of Life." It is from the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Ah, yes, yes, yes. I did know that, that reference. A movie. So I did. I did know that reference. 42.
0: That I think that was. Mentioned before we ever got on, just for people who, who it, it was, but who don't have it. There was a not a segue there
1: whatsoever.
2: <laughs> well, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's a that's... close, it's a close, it's this a close. Is, that's right. We're talking about the meaning of augmented life. That's right.
0: That's yeah. segue. okay. All right. So we'll have a great, for, those augmented... of you who missed it. For, for all our American friends, have a great augmented Thanksgiving
1: and yeah. great real Thanksgiving as well.
0: Yes, same to you guys. Thanks for joining David, Mike, and Greg. To stay on top of the latest developments in local, subscribe to our newsletter at nearmedia.co. We'll see you next week.